Excellent. God is good. Amen? So good to see you here tonight. Session four of our Get Growing series. No matter how long you've been a Christian, you have room to grow. Amen? So whether we're the youngest Christian or veteran Christians here tonight, we are always to continue in our growth as Christians. And we're studying the basics of Christian growth here at this Wednesday night service. Let's say a word of prayer, shall we? Lord, I do pray that we'd never lose that passion to know you and your word and your people. To become stronger spiritually. To become more effective as witnesses. Teach us these things, Lord. And I pray that we would keep these disciplines for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so pull out your wheel diagram. This little diagram illustrates spiritual growth. It's guiding our discussion. And I got to tell you, I was just given a really cool laser pointer. (laughs) This thing will zap you if you fall asleep. So (laughs) stay awake. So let's kind of sum up what we've learned so far about spiritual growth. It's represented by a wheel. That means you got to move. It's meant to progress. Your spiritual growth must be one of motion, one that you're actively a part of, continuing in. The hub of the wheel is Christ. Jesus is to be the absolute center of your life. Everything in life is to revolve around him. You make that decision to let him drive your life. The rim of the wheel That represents obedience in life where the rubber meets the road. And so as Christians, we need to surrender all those areas in our life. And since he's the center of our life, be obedient to him in all that he's called us to do. And so then we move into the spoke area of the wheel. And there are four spokes. Remember, these represent The four spiritual disciplines of spiritual growth. These are the disciplines that you must keep for the rest of your life as a Christian if you want to grow. These never go away. These are the foundational activities of Christian growth. So you have the vertical spokes. That represents your interaction with God as you grow. You talk to him in prayer. You hear from him in his word as we studied last week. So the discipline of prayer and Bible reading, big time important for your continued spiritual growth. And then you have these horizontal spokes, and this represents your interaction with other people. And tonight, we're going to look at this spoke that we call fellowship. Fellowship. In order to grow, you must be engaged in Christian fellowship. That must be a discipline in your life. 
So let's start tonight with a clear definition of fellowship. What does fellowship mean exactly? Well, there's a Greek word that's translated fellowship in your English Bible, and it's the Greek word koinonia. And you will hear that word often in Christian circles, koinonia. It stands for the first uh, coffee shop in the ancient days. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't, uh, not at all. Koinonia is a word that simply means to have in common, to share in what you have in common with others. Fellowship or koinonia is a close association with others involving mutual interests, sharing, and participation. It's gathering together and being involved around something that you have in common. So here are some men and women, and what do you think that they have in common? They love to bike. This is probably a bike club of some sort. And they gather together and they bike. They probably text each other and talk about biking. They buy biking equipment together. Biking brings them together. They hold that in common. How about this group of men and women? So these are Dallas Cowboy fans. They love the Dallas Cowboys. They gather around the Dallas Cowboys. They go to Cowboy games together. They watch the Cowboy games on TV. They're always, you know, communicating each other with each other about the Dallas Cowboys. Now, recently, they've been consoling each other, <laughs> right, rather than having much fun together. But. but see, you have a group of men and women from all walks of life gathered around something in common. Here's a barn raising. You know, there used to be days where you'd get all of your friends and neighbors and relatives together, and you'd gather together to raise a barn, build a barn. And so you have all these guys showing up. The kids are there playing, maybe running some errands. And then uh, the, the ladies are there, and they're cooking, and they're providing this great venue. And everyone has gathered for that common goal of building that barn. So you get it. Koinonia is pretty simple to understand. Gathering around a common interest. So, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you asked him to be your Lord and Savior, you became a member of the church. And there are many members of the church. You have many co-members. When you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you became a son or daughter in the family of God. And you have many, many brothers and sisters in Christ. And listen to something very important. You share everything about the Christian faith in common with your brothers and sisters in Christ. The doctrine of the Christian faith, the Bible, the function of the church, the mission of the church, the morals of the Christian faith, 
the hope, the gospel. The ordinances of the Christian church, like baptism or communion. You share all that. And so fellowship is gathering together regularly with your brothers and sisters in Christ, sharing together in the Christian faith, participating in the Christian faith, involved with one another in the Christian faith. And that is to be a discipline in your life. Gathering with your brothers and sisters, doing Christianity together. So where do we engage in fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, the church is a big family. In fact, every single person on planet Earth who has received Christ is a member of the church. The universal church is worldwide, and we have many brothers and sisters. In fact, there are many brothers and sisters in Christ that we won't meet until we get to heaven. So what is your contact point? with the universal church? How do you fellowship with the church? And my answer would be at the local church. At the local family of God. So you are to be an active, engaged member of a local church, a local body of believers. That's where fellowship primarily takes place. Now, there are many different parachurch organizations. You know, when I was in college, I I attended Campus Crusade for Christ. Have you heard of that? It's called Crew now. Um, Navigators, I've spoken about them before. I got really involved in the Baptist Student Union at New Mexico State University. And, you know, you gather with fellow college students, and those are important And those are good, and you should be a part of that. But even many of those parachurches filter into local churches. So I was a heavy part of the Baptist Student Union, but we also were a part of Calvary Baptist Church there in Las Cruces. So I believe your primary home base, where you hang your hat spiritually, should be in a local church. So wherever you move, whenever you move to another city or whatever that might be, your first priority should be to find a local church and get involved in it. If the Lord has led you to Calvary Chapel, Sun City, if the Lord has led you to make this your home church, we welcome you here. And we are excited about you fellowshipping right here. And if you want to grow, be committed to fellowship at your local church. This is the classic passage that you find in the scripture on Christian fellowship. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now look at that very important command. Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves 
together. So we are to often assemble together. And even when it gets hard, he says, when the day is approaching, and what day is he talking about there? The second coming of Christ, as we get closer to the last days, we should be more committed to gathering together in fellowship. Now, being a part of a church body, getting involved in a fellowship, it's more than just showing up to services. It's, it's more than that. Although that's awesome that you come to a church service, and you should. But it's more than just showing up. I love this word, assemble. Yes, it can speak of, you know, us gathering together, but it can also speak of assembling a machine out of different components. And that's what I think a church should be like. We're assembling together. When I was a kid, one Christmas, I I remember one of my favorite gifts. It was a bike. And I got up on Christmas morning, and there was the fully assembled bike. And there it had the bow on it, and I was so excited. It was awesome. What would have happened if I woke up that morning and pieces of the bike were all over the room? It hadn't been assembled yet. You got a pedal over there. You got handlebars over there. I would think that's kind of weird, Dad. Thanks. You know? A lot of people kind of see church as we're, you know, all, all these pieces just get together. But that's not church. It's pieces being assembled. It's becoming an active part of the machine, of the organism, joining forces with your brothers and sisters in Christ. So to really begin engaging in fellowship, if you come here to Calvary Chapel, Sun City, I would encourage you to attend regular public worship services. Absolutely. And then I would also greatly encourage you to become a part of a small group Bible study here at the church. You know, our women's ministry has all these different small groups that you can get involved in. Our men's group does the same thing. There are different home groups that we'll meet from time to time. The youth group, the young adults group, uh, the silver cords group, the 50-plus crowd. They get together regularly. And I would say make that effort to become a part of a small group. It's in the small group that you get to know other, other brothers and sisters in Christ. Then I would also highly recommend and encourage that you find a place to serve in your local church. Whether that be as an usher, a greeter, helping in the children's ministry, maybe in the technical ministry, maybe getting involved with the worship team. or There's so many different opportunities and ministries that you can get involved in at a local church. And I will never forget this discussion I had with a dear brother in Christ. He attended this church for many, many years, and for many, many years he felt left out. Until he took a step of faith, and he joined like one of our ministries, I forget, I think it was the security ministry. And at that point, it clicked for him. 
he felt involved. And he began to meet other brothers and sisters in Christ. And he felt a real strong connection and a part of the fellowship. So getting involved in a ministry, finding a place to serve, that's assembling. I would also uh, highly encourage you uh, to get involved in our community outreach. You know, lots of churches do things in the community and they have an outreach. We have a big vacation Bible school outreach. We also have um, the big Christmas outreach that we do. We've done a number of different things where we're reaching out to the community. Listen, join in that effort with your local body of Christ in your local church. You will meet people. You will become a part of the ministry. You will assemble. So make that effort. Now, and and we're commanded to. It's a big time part of your spiritual growth. Some of you are social butterflies. And you're extroverts. And for you, that's real easy. But for others of you, you're shy. You're more reserved. You're more laid back. Ask God to give you that courage, that faith to step. Come to church. Get to know people. Take a step to join a small group. They won't make you pray out loud, I promise. They won't make you teach. They won't put you on the spot. Get involved in some kind of a ministry that might be a big-time step of faith, but you need to make it. And for those of you who are social butterflies and really good at it, you look for those people that aren't, and you make them feel comfortable. Amen? Be looking for the brothers and sisters in Christ that are looking to get involved, but maybe just a little bit timid. It is absolutely important for your spiritual growth. Now, a quick word about your personal relationships as Christians. I personally believe that you should reserve your best friendships, your best relationships for those with brothers and sisters in Christ. I believe your best friends should be Christians. I believe those that are closest to you should be Christians. I certainly believe, single folks, that you should be dating Christians. Because the Bible says that we should marry Christians, all right? So save those relationships as your most important. And I say that for a couple reasons. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what, what's the word used there? Fellowship. Has righteousness with lawlessness. And what communion or fellowship has light with darkness. Okay, now that you are a Christian, you are in the kingdom of light. And you have fellowship with other people in the kingdom of light. In the kingdom of darkness, in the world, you don't have fellowship with that anymore. Now, I'm not saying you don't have any friends outside of the church. Certainly not. And that you're mean to people outside the church. Certainly not. 
You can be friendly and should spend time with folks like that, but I'm telling you to reserve your most important relationships and friendships for those with other Christians. You have fellowship with them. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, do not be deceived. Evil company does what? Corrupts good habits. Now, I want you to understand how intense that verse is. Habit. That means it's something that you have in your life that's good. It's become a big-time, awesome habit in your life. If you start hanging out with evil company, they'll corrupt your good habit. Very, very important. The people that we hang out with have a big-time influence. And a lot of times as Christians, you think, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to evangelize all these people and really make a difference. I'm going to do all my evangelizing in a bar at happy hour. And in a lot of ways, you'll become influenced. So save those closest friendships, my friend. Now, that means if you're a brand new Christian, you might have to make some difficult decisions. There may be a group of friends or a group that you have hung out with, and they don't lead you properly. They lead you in the wrong path, and you know it. And there may be a group of friends that you have to withdraw from. Or maybe you're dating someone who's not a Christian. And it might be a very difficult decision, but maybe the Lord would be saying, you need to break up with that person because you need to be saving that area of your life for other Christians. Now you say that could be a really hard thing to do, but it's necessary. And again, I'm not saying you be mean to them. It's, you tell the Lord, I'm turning to fellowship within the Christian church. And you surround yourself with those people. You know, when I was at New Mexico State, I grew up in a Christian home. And I went through a time of rebellion uh, midway through high school to about midway through college. But at New Mexico State, the Lord got a hold of me. And I came back to the Lord and my whole life was changed. And uh, I had some really good friends that weren't the best influences on me. And I had to make a decision. I, I decided, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to follow those friends that way. And I'm going to move into these other areas. And that's when I got involved in the Baptist Student Union and all that. And, and I will tell you, I even had a sit down with some of those friends. I love you. I'm still your friend. But I love Jesus more. I literally told some of my friends that. And I know that I can't go with you to these places like I used to go. And I'm going to move and I'm going to go into these other circles. And you know what? The Lord was so gracious to me. He saved three of my best friends. And I had the joy of leading them to Christ. One of them served the Lord all of his life and he's now in heaven. The Lord took him 
home a couple of years ago. The other two, I'm still best friends with them today, and they have beautiful Christian lives and Christian families. And I feel like the Lord said, you know what, I'm going to honor, I'm going to bless you for that choice. Now, there were other friends that didn't come to Christ, and some thought I was weird. And I sort of lost contact with them. But my three besties, they got saved. And they became members of the church. And it's scary going out of a circle and going into a brand new circle. But I'll tell you what, I ended up making the best friends. Meeting wonderful, wonderful people. Who enriched my life. And changed my life. And mentored me. So you may be sitting right on the cusp of a situation like that. And it might look real scary to you. But God will honor that. Be committed to fellowship. Now there are many, many wonderful benefits to Christian fellowship. First being encouragement. As you are involved in the lives of brothers and sisters in Christ, you are going to be encouraged. They're going to lift you up. You're going to be in a position where you can encourage them. There's something about Christians getting together. You know, just us being here tonight, it's encouraging, isn't it? Just showing up. You look around and you see other people praising God. And we're gathered together. And you think to yourself, I'm not alone. Look at these friends that I have. Look at these brothers and sisters in Christ that I have. It's encouraging. I'll tell you, coming to church is encouraging for you. And your presence at church is encouraging for everyone else. Just being here together. Back to this verse. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. That first part of that verse. Stirring up love and good works. That word stir up means to provoke. The idea is when Christians get together, they provoke one another. They stir up one another. Towards what? Love. And good deeds. As you engage in fellowship, you're going to meet your brothers and sisters in Christ. And they're going to encourage you in the right way to take. They're going to stir you up. They're going to provoke you to works of love. You know, I, I, again, when I, when I got in a part of the Baptist Student Union coming back to the Lord, and we all filtered off also into Calvary Baptist Church, um, we, we had this beautiful time of fellowship. And I can remember there were times where we would get together and we would literally dream together about how we could serve Christ. And I would say to some, you know, I'd be really cool. I feel like maybe the Lord may, might want to call me as a pastor one day. And I'd dream about that. And they'd say, well, yeah, maybe. Or some would say, yeah, that, that, I could see that in you. Maybe you should pursue that. 
And just watching Christians when they get together dream and encourage one another on how they're going to serve Christ and do good works. It's just beautiful. Hey, man, we need to start this ministry. I notice a need over there. We should start one. Or have you ever thought about trying the mission field? Let's try it. Or being encouraged to love your wife like you should be loving her. As you get together with a, with a brother in Christ and, and there's this mutual encouraging and exhortation. Great encouragement takes place in the body of Christ. And it helps you, it motivates you. You will also learn more as you engage in fellowship. There's mentoring that takes place. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So as you're getting together, as you're becoming involved in the church, you're going to meet people that have been Christians a lot longer than you have. You're going to meet people that have been through a lot more life than you have. And as you study the Bible together, you'll get insight from them in very practical ways because they'll know you individually and they'll be able to guide you in in, in biblical decisions concerning practical matters in your life because they know you, your friends. They know about your job problems. They know about your issues. You know about everything. And you're working with a brother or a sister who's more mature and they mentor you. They sharpen you. They help equip you. And you get to be that to someone else. As you grow in Christ and you become more mature, then you're going to be able to help others in their walk with Christ. So you got great encouragement and you got mentoring and learning. Also, support. If you are involved in Christian fellowship, then you will get support during the tough times in your life. See, as Christians, we all go through difficult times, don't we? We have bad days. We experience sickness, illness. Maybe we go through some bad times financially or there's a loss of a loved one. And if you are an intimate part of a fellowship, you are a part of a family that's going to support you and care about you and reach out and help you. So you're going through a bad time. You can call a brother or sister in Christ. Hey, pray for me. And you'll get prayer. You get counsel. You go through a hard time financially Your brothers and sisters in Christ will find out about it. And you know what? They'll probably buy you groceries and chip in and help you pay the bills. You get sick, you're going to have some brothers and sisters in Christ visit you. Cook for you a nice pot of uh, chicken soup, right? Chicken noodle. The body of Christ supporting one another. I'll tell you what, we've needed that desperately in the church over the last couple of years. With the COVID, I can't tell you how many families here have been 
you know, struck with COVID and going through hard times. And there's been an army of brothers and sisters in Christ here that have, have dropped off meals. We've even had families go and get medicine for other families that are struggling. We even had a brother find out that there was a couple at our church that were really, really, really sick. And he went in there and picked them up at risk of his own life and took them to a hospital. And I believe he saved their lives. That's support. You get that. And you need that. And when you're a part of fellowship, you get to grow in your understanding of God's comfort and grace as he's acting through his people. And you get to reciprocate. You get to know what it feels like to be the hands of God. In comfort. And acts of grace. You just can't beat that. And it follows you around forever. You remember last year my dad had an issue. And he had to go into the hospital. And... uh, you know, we were going to get there, but we weren't able to get there. And he had to have a brain surgery. It was very serious. And my mom was with him and, and was waiting in the waiting room where there was a dear sister in Christ that used to come to our church many, many years ago. And she since moved just outside the Albuquerque area. And she began working as a nurse in the very hospital where my dad was having procedure. And, and Kim talked to her, told her what was going on. And she, she went in there and sat with my mom and brought blankets and a little care basket. And this total stranger, who wasn't really a stranger, she was a sister. A sister in Christ within the network of the family of God. And she sat with my mom and blessed her. And she knew her way around the hospital And she knew who to call when she wanted information. It was awesome. I feel so bad for people that aren't involved actively in a church. You know, we get calls from people regularly. Um, Hey, can you help us with rent? Or can you help us with this or that? And our first question will be, well, what church do you go to? Because, you know, there are people out there that just go down the phone book and call every church. And so one of our questions is, well, what church do you go to? And, and, you know, we will help a few, but we tend to reserve our funds for our brothers and sisters in Christ here that we know, that we can help, that we can be there for. And if you don't have that, oh, you're missing out. I pray that a lot of people will know your name at your local church and that you'll become involved in your brothers and sisters in Christ's life. Another great benefit of Christian fellowship, and this is so important, you will discover where you fit in the body of Christ. You will discover your role. You will discover your calling. So, Jesus gave the church a pretty high task, right? 
Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now that's called the Great Commission. That's a great commission, right? It's a big task. Reach the whole world with the gospel message. And that is the task, the purpose of the church. And all members of the church are to be involved in that. And I will tell you as a Christian, you have a place in that. You have a role in that. The New Testament even goes on to teach that every single true born-again Christian has a spiritual gift. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's a whole list of spiritual gifts that I think match with different callings. So some will have the gift of teaching. Some will have... Uh, the gift of encouragement. Some will have the gift of helps, where they like to help people in real practical ways. Some have the gift of administration. Some have the gifts of, of healing. Some have the gifts of tongue, interpreting. All of these different things. And they all match, I believe, a role that you have in the body of Christ. And you won't discover that unless you get involved. Unless you assemble. Unless you fellowship. Because the church, and I love this about the church, it's like a big laboratory. It's where you get to, you get to try out stuff. You dream with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You consider, you pray, you think about what you would like to do, and you go out and try stuff. And you find out, hey, man, I'm pretty good with kids. Or I'm really good with youth. Or you find out, I'm a good teacher. Or I'm an evangelist. Or you find out, I ain't talking in front of no one. And I'm going to help diligently behind the scenes. Or you find out that, you know, I really, really love helping people in need out in real practical ways. And so you begin finding yourself... uh, drawn to like a a gospel rescue mission or a soup kitchen or something like that where you become involved in something like that and you won't discover that unless you are engaged in fellowship so important to your growth encouragement Support, mentoring, and discovering where you're going to fit in the body of Christ. And all of that contributes to your growth as a Christian. Check it out. You continue to grow as a Christian in fellowship. As you discover all these things, uh, then you begin to spend a lot of time on working with other Christians, younger Christians at the fellowship, and helping them discover those same things. So it never goes away. We need one another. We need involvement with one another in fellowship if we're to grow. So I would exhort you, make that a major priority in your life and keep it as a major priority in your life. Now, I do have to warn you. I do have to warn you. 
You'll never find a perfect local church. And the family of God is not perfect this side of heaven. And I just want you to know up front, if you decide to really get involved and active, you're going to run into brothers and sisters that hurt you. You're going to run into Christians that rub you the wrong way, that offend you. I mean, you might even be hurt deeply by a brother or sister in Christ. You could be betrayed. These things happen in church this side of heaven. It's been said that the church is like, you know, a pack of porcupines getting together. You need each other, but you also needle each other as you get close, right? And you hurt each other, and we do that. And I will tell you, there are Christians that have gotten so hurt at a church that they've just thrown it out. And they've walked away from it. And I will tell you, don't do that. Know what you're getting into going in. I have been hurt deeply in this church by people that I poured a lot of time and effort into. Truth be known, I've probably hurt some people. We are not perfect. You know, think about the best family, your family. I I don't know, maybe you got a really good family, but no matter how good your family is, the brothers and sisters still bicker, don't they? They have issues. But you love each other and you work your way through it. Know this going in, and that's another very important part of growth as a Christian. Because you learn how to forgive. You learn how to be patient. You learn how to be gracious. You learn how to uh, uh, forbear with one another. So just know that. You will experience some hard times, but I promise you, you will also make the best friends of your life. The best relationships that you've ever had. And you will grow. So that's one of the spokes, my friends. Dedicated to prayer, to the word, and to fellowship. So... After one of these sessions, I've been having us get together and do something, do activities. We've been praying together. Or last week, I had you read your Bible. You remember when we studied the Bible? Tonight, we're going to take communion. And I think it's beautiful on a night when we're studying fellowship. Because it's at the communion table that we remember what we share. In Christ Jesus. The bread, the juice, represent the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we know that Christ has died for us on the cross. We know that he's risen again. We know that salvation is found in him. And Jesus told us to keep this ordinance regularly as a way to formally and, you know, just deliberately remember what he did for us at the cross. And it's at the, at the communion table that it's a good time for us to rededicate our lives to the Lord. 
search your heart, search your soul? Are there different things that you should be doing? Are there things that you should stop doing? Are there people in church that you've hurt? Is there somebody that you need to get right with? So let's bring the the lights down. Let's have our worship team come up. And why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? And let's see, we'll have a few guys come up and help me. Awesome. Lord, we are so blessed to know you, to be saved by you, and then to belong to a family of folks worldwide, to be a member of your body. And Lord, I I pray your blessing upon this little family here that you put together here on the west side of El Paso. Lord, I pray that you would help us to welcome those that are more timid. And I pray that you would give those that are timid more faith, more courage to to get involved, to be a part. I thank you that we would sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. And right now, together, we remember what you did for us. We rededicate our lives to you. Search our souls, Lord. Make us better. We're going to pass out the elements, and I would ask that you keep them and hold them in your hands and because uh, we'll all partake together as a body at the same time, corporately, as a family, because we share this in common. So as we're passing that out, just spend some time in worship, thanking the Lord for who he is and what he's done. So the wafer's in the bottom cup. Lord, thank you for this this ordinance that you've given to your family. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made. To save our souls, to make us a part of your kingdom and your family, now and forever. I pray, Lord, that you would greatly encourage and bless your people here tonight. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed 
took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take together family. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take together. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. We're going to close with a final song. It seems like all of the storm action is going to be here about nine. So I'd like for you guys to be able to get out of here, especially those of you from Las Cruces. But uh, it's great having you all here. Feel free to hang out for a little bit, but it's coming. So let's get home to our safe, warm houses. All right. But let's close with this last song. I needed rescue, my sin was here.